just answer a question. Who do you typically share your meals with? Now, think about this. Um, there, there's anywhere, probably most of us are in the 14 to 21 meals a week range. Um, 14 means that you have two meals a day, right? Uh, 21 means you have three meals a day. Um, I asked last night on Facebook and I didn't get too many responses, but my friend Ray Sweeney, he said, I have 42 meals a week. 42 meals a week. He eats six meals a day, which uh, he would probably advocate as being uh, the best method for you. Uh, but, but who do you share those meals with? Uh, go ahead and just let us know in your chat box on Zoom or on Facebook. We would love to see who you share your meals with. Um, some of you probably say, I, I eat most of my meals by myself alone. Some of you probably say, I eat most of my meals with my spouse. Um, uh, some of you probably say, I eat most of my meals with my family. And, and all those would be uh, good answers. Whatever your answer is, it's a good answer. But we're going to kind of bring that question back uh, towards the end of our sermon time today. Um, we want to put ourselves in the shoes of the Pharisees. Now, we want to put ourselves in the shoes of the Pharisees. That's kind of a trick when you read scripture um, to, to, uh, to suspend what you know about the end of the story and put yourself in the story um, like you're actually living it. And so when we do that and we put ourselves in the shoes of the Pharisees, we have to understand that we really don't know who Jesus is. Uh, just think about this. Jesus just began his ministry in Luke chapter 4. We're in Luke chapter 5, and he just began his public ministry a short time ago. Now, you're a Pharisee. You've already seen Jesus drive out a demon. You've already see, seen Jesus heal a leper. You've already seen Jesus heal many people. Um, you've seen Jesus teaching uh, some small groups and some large groups. And, and you've even seen, this is the most baffling, you've seen Jesus forgive sin. Right? He actually went to a man and said, your sins are forgiven. And, and for them, right, you can only do that if you are God. And so, so this is what they have seen so far uh, in the life and ministry of Jesus. And there's just a lot of questions about who he is. And so in the midst of that, they ask this question of Jesus. And, and, and this question is both, uh, I think, curiosity, but, but we also have to understand there is a sense of judgment behind their question here in Luke chapter 5. Uh, the question, right, that we uh, had right at the end of that reading is, why do you eat? Now, just kind of pause there. That's the first half of the question. But why do you eat? Uh, for them, right, uh, eating is so common and so ordinary, and they have spent their lives trying to be extraordinary, the Pharisees have. Um, why do you eat? Eating is so common and so ordinary, there are probably better things for Jesus to do. If he's a rabbi, if he's a teacher, if he's somebody special and significant, then why does he spend so much time doing ordinary, common things like eating and drinking. He should be studying God's Word on a regular basis. He should spend more time um, uh, doing things like teaching large groups of people. Um, eating isn't particularly spiritual. In fact, for the Pharisees, um, if you want to be spiritual, you don't eat. <laughs> for Pharisees, it was a big deal to, to, to uh, engage in fasting. Fasting is when you intentionally withhold food from yourself for a time. Um, you do that, uh, for, they thought, uh, as a way of saying, oh, I really love God, and I'm going to go without these kind of worldly resources to show how spiritual I am. And so for them, if you're eating and drinking, then you're probably not all that spiritual. Why do you eat? 
Uh, of course, the problem for the Pharisees is not uh, that Jesus is eating and drinking. Uh, they understand that meals are very important. Uh, the Passover meal, for instance. The Passover meal uh, celebrates uh, the, the power of God. It, it remembers how, how God exercised his power and brought them freedom and, and, and uh, created a nation out of them, right? So, so it celebrates their national heritage. Uh, they understand, uh, they know their Bibles very well. They understand that in Isaiah 25, um, uh, that the kingdom of God is pictured as a great banquets, right, with, 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 uh, with, with aged wine and delicious food laid out in front of you. And so the, the Pharisees understand that eating is important. The eating is not the problem. The problem is who he is eating with. Why do you eat with tax collectors and sinners? That's the question that the Pharisees ask Jesus. Now, um, think about this, right? Maybe, maybe Jesus eats with tax collectors and sinners because he is a tax collector or a sinner. Uh, Remember, they don't know yet who Jesus is. There's not a lot of clarity around his identity. And so so, so they're trying to figure out who he is. Um, Maybe he's a tax collector or a sinner. Uh, Think about this. A tax collector is, uh, is somebody who is a traitor and a cheat. Um, they're a traitor because tax collectors, uh, for instance, uh, um, the, the Roman government, right, the world power, the government of that time would come to Brentwood and raise up somebody from Brentwood who would tax other people in Brentwood. So, um, in other words, uh, Roman, uh, right, the, the, the country of Rome, the nation of Rome is the hated world power at that time. They would come and raise up, uh, for instance, like Carly Watney. And Carly Watney would be the tax collector who would, um, who, who would tax other people from Brentwood. And, uh, and not only would she do that, but she would charge them extra. Um, uh, the, the, the nation, the, the world power of Rome would say, look, I want you to tax everybody $5. And she would say, oh, give me 10, right, to all the people that she's collecting from. And so she would be stealing from them and collecting extra tax dollars. Uh, so, so a tax collector is a cheat and a traitor. And of course, we know that Jesus is not a cheat or a traitor. Um, He he came to love all people. Uh, He he welcomes all people into his presence. Uh, We know that he is is not a cheat. He came, in fact, to give his life as a ransom for many. Uh, But the Pharisees don't know that. So they say maybe he's a tax collector. Uh, Maybe he's a sinner, right? A sinner is somebody who misses the mark. Uh, If you think about it, you you could picture a bullseye, right? And God has established a mark of how you are to live, the best way to live. And and if you hit that mark, then you are good. You are righteous. You are holy. And a sinner is somebody who misses that mark. They miss that mark because maybe they don't even know that that mark exists. Um, They miss that mark because they know it's there, but they don't care. And so they aim at something else. (laughs) Um, They miss that mark because um, they're trying really hard, but they just don't aim very well and they miss it. So a sinner is somebody who misses the mark. Well, we know that Jesus isn't a sinner. Uh, In fact, uh, he knew no sin is what other places in scripture tell us. So uh, the Pharisees asked this question, why do you eat with tax collectors and sinners? And, and one possible answer, but a wrong answer, would be that maybe he's a tax collector or a sinner. 
Another way to answer that is maybe Jesus is just wrong, right? If you're in the shoes of the Pharisees, maybe you're looking at it and you're saying, maybe Jesus just is just wrong. And, and, and when we correct him, he'll offer an apology. He'll go to the temple and offer a sacrifice, and then he'll change his ways. He will reform his ways. You see, the Pharisees were, were social distance practitioners. Let me just explain that. Um, they believed that, that holiness or unholiness really, an uncleanness would transfer between people like germs. So um, if, if you were unclean and you came up against somebody that was clean, uh, the, the clean person would become unclean. Uh, if an unholy person comes into contact with somebody that is holy, the holy person becomes unholy, right? It, it was this kind of thing where they thought uncleanness and unholiness would transfer like germs. And so they worked really hard to practice social distance, to keep their distance from things and people that were unholy and unclean. They made a lifetime of doing that because their whole life revolves around hitting that mark of being righteous and doing their best to hit that mark that God has established. And so, so maybe Jesus just doesn't know. Maybe he doesn't know that he's supposed to practice social distance from people that are unholy or unclean, from sinners. Uh, he's just starting his public ministry. Maybe he just doesn't quite get it. Maybe he just got carried away in the moment and he made a mistake. And, and, and so the Pharisees say, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Of course, Jesus doesn't offer an apology. Uh, Instead, he confronts and challenges the question with with both an indirect and and a direct answer. And the indirect and the direct answer really changes everything um, for us, for you and me today. Just look at his answer. Jesus says, "Um, I am a doctor who uh, came to heal. So we already talked about this with the kids chat. We can just kind of pull that back. Jesus is the best kind of doctor. Um, He's the kind of doctor that comes to us right where we are when we are stuck. Stuck in our sickness, stuck in our sin. Um, Just look at what he did with Levi. Levi was sitting behind his tax booth as a traitor and a cheat. And he walks up to Levi and he interrupts Levi and he says, follow me. Jesus comes to us right where we are, stuck in our sickness and our sin, and he offers us the best possible cure. And the best possible cure is to follow me. Follow me, walk the same road that I walk uh, in an ongoing kind of way. That's the best cure for any kind of sickness. And Jesus is the best kind of doctor. Uh, By the way, Jesus is the kind of doctor that is never afraid of catching uncleanness or unholiness. Uh, We've already seen him, as I mentioned, heal a leper. Uh, He came into close social contact with a leprous man, and uh, and he came out clean and holy. Uh, Jesus came into contact with a man that was demon-possessed early in uh, uh, Luke chapter 4, and Jesus came out holy and clean. Uh, Jesus invited Levi to follow him, to be close to him in an ongoing, everyday kind of way. And Jesus was holy and clean through the process. Jesus was never afraid of catching uncleanness and unholiness because he knew that he was more powerful than any uncleanness, than any unholiness, and that his power and his love and his grace would overcome all unholiness and uncleanness. 
the first answer that Jesus offers is that he is a doctor who came to heal. Now, the, the second answer that Jesus offers here uh, is the more direct answer. He says, uh, essentially, that he is God's son who came to call sinners to repentance. Now, we've already talked about that word sinner. The word repentance is just a word that means to change your mind. So, so look at this, um, right? Uh, he's talking to people who are missing the mark. Uh, there are people who don't know that the mark exists, people that um, uh, are aiming at the wrong thing, people that are aiming and missing at the mark. And what Jesus does is he comes and he calls people to repentance. This is not a, a heavy-handed, like, shame on you kind of thing. But this is a kind of thing that says, look, I'm a doctor who, who wants to offer you the best possible life. I'm a doctor who wants to help you and cure you and, and heal you of everything that's not right in your life. And so I'm going to call you to repentance. I'm going to call you to change your mind, change the way that you think, change the way that you live so that you can follow me and experience all that I am. Jesus is the son of God who came to call sinners to repentance. And so that's why he is eating with tax collectors and sinners. It's a terribly interesting uh, question and answer. And, and really what we wanna do is we wanna move that question and the answer uh, to us right now in 2020. And I really struggled with this uh, over the last uh, 24 hours or so, um, because when we move that question to us and we let it kind of hang over our life here in 2020, um, there's a great deal of challenge in the question that the Pharisees bring. Why do you eat with dot, dot, dot? <laughs> and I got to be honest, I was uh, convicted because as I look at the amount of meals that I have and how many meals I share with other people, I eat most of my meals by myself. I, I have uh, probably seven meals a week with my family uh, around the table, and, and that's only like a third of the meals that I have. And so if I'm going to do life like Jesus, I, I need to change that, and I, I need to be um, in relationship with more people, and I need to push into relationships, even if it's just relationships with my family. Um, why do you eat with uh, I eat most of my meals by myself. And so the way that Jesus does life here is, is really challenging to, to my way of doing life. And, and then when you look at the rest of the question, um, why do you eat with tax collectors and sinners? It gets even more challenging because I, I just have to look at my own life and say, yeah, how often do I share a meal with people of a different race or a different color? How many times do I share a meal with people of a different religion? How many times do I share a meal with a social outcast like a tax collector or a sinner would have been? And the answer is not very often. When I do share a meal, it's usually with my family. Um, when I do share a meal, it's usually with, with uh, when, our, when my family shares a meal, it's usually with people um, or, or another family that's in kind of a similar life stage as me. And so this is just immensely challenging to my own heart as I, as I look at this and say, why do you eat with tax collectors and sinners? Well, I, I need to share more meals with people, number one. And number two, I, I need to branch out and have relationships with people that, that, that are different than me. And so this is really challenging to my own heart and my own way of doing life. But I want you to see this. The, the answer that Jesus gives is also filled with good news. 
This is so powerful um, uh, because I, I just changed the question a little bit. And what I hear is the Pharisees sitting on the outside of the meal saying, why do you eat with David Prill? Um, did you see how judgmental he was on Tuesday? And the answer that Jesus gives is, yes, I saw how judgmental he was. But I came for that. I'm a doctor who can heal. I'm a, I'm a savior who came to call sinners to repentance. And I came to share a meal with him. And I hear the Pharisees on the outside saying, did you see how selfish he was on Friday? So focused on himself and his own schedule. And Jesus says, yes, I saw. I came for that. I'm a doctor who can heal. I'm a savior who calls sinners to repentance. And I want to share a meal with him. I hear the Pharisees on the outside saying, do you see how sheltered he is and and how little he branches out in his relationships? And Jesus says, yes, I saw, I see. And I came for that. I'm a doctor who can heal. I'm a savior who comes to call sinners to repentance. And I want to share a meal with David Prill. The good news is we can fill in our own name there. The good news is that Jesus came to share a meal with you. And he's a doctor who can heal. And he's a savior who's calling you to to change your heart and your mind off of worldly things and, and back onto him as a precious and loving savior, father, and king. It's good news for us. Let's pray. Uh, Jesus, we, uh, we thank you so much for who you are. The way that you did life, um, it challenges us. Uh, it makes us aware of our own weaknesses, of our own sin. And so we just say that we are sorry for that. But the way that you did life also reminds us that there is grace for us and that you long to be our doctor. You long to call us to repentance. You long to show us your love and grace and that you never keep your distance from us, from me. And so we thank you. We thank you for the way that you challenge us and we thank you for the love the unconditional love that you show. In the name of Jesus, all God's people said, amen.